What up, what up, what up? It's your boy, Bimo Brown. Bryant Brown. Bryant, Bryant, Bryant Brown. Your main man's 20 grand. Coming back live to you with another episode of The Right Place to Be Mo. Brought to you by 202 Creates in the office of cable, television, film, music, and entertainment. I am your host, Bimo Brown. Welcome again to The Right Place to Be Mo. Weekly podcast where we discuss the creative process, all in an attempt to answer the question of how do we make a thought? How do we make the decisions that we make? What are some of the underlying factors behind the creative actions that we do? Uh, This week, it's been such a great week, and I feel like there's been so many conversations open up over the media with some of our favorite celebrities um, even some of the smaller things that are happening in the news on page three or four of the paper. I read the paper a few times this week. It's popping. If you haven't read the paper in a minute, it's popping. It's fun. Anyway, again, this week we are going to discuss the creative process on a few things that are happening in the world. Again, I'm your host, Bimo Brown. Welcome to the show. Before we get started, I just... There's a quote that I heard, I think I was like in fourth grade, that I think has shaped my ideology of just how I, you know, how we talk and how we discuss and how we converse in the relationships that we have. It's by Eleanor Roosevelt, although I wouldn't be surprised if she stole it from somebody else, but she got the credit, so I'm going to give her the credit. Great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, and small minds discuss people. So what you talking about? The last part is me. That wasn't Eleanor. That wasn't Ellie Rose. What you talking about? What we talking about? Again, on The Right Place to Be More, we will be discussing ideas, thoughts, why we make the decisions that we make, the underlying factors to the creative actions. First up, I think we have probably the most perfect example, especially for my black listeners out there, of what I call the creative process of thought. How do we create a thought? As we discussed in the previous podcast, you can always check those out. I believe that a thought is created on three things. At the very foundational level is the myth. In the middle is the virtue, which is the thing that you pull from that myth. And on top is the actual action. And all of that creates a thought. Again, great minds discuss ideas. So this week, everybody saw it. We don't got to recap too much. This week... I discussed it a little bit last week, but this week I want to discuss it a little less emotional. Again, the perfect example of how do we create a thought. Our dear friend and brother Kanye West brought up the thought that slavery was a choice. Slavery is a choice. I believe something like the direct quote is 400 years of slavery. That sounds like a choice to me. A lot of uproar, a lot of outrage, but I want to dissect that. I want to. I want to look at the what. What would cause a creative thought like that, and then how can you use whether you subscribe or prescribe to that ideology? How do you use that to build your current thoughts? So once again, like my girl Ellie Ellie Rose said, great minds discuss ideas. So we're going to take away what the average minds discuss, which is the events. We're going to take away what the small minds discuss, which is the people. So in this situation, we're going to we're going to minus the person. We're going to minus the Kanye West. I want you to take that, put it in the box, throw it somewhere. Whether you think Kanye's crazy or not, 
you're not a doctor nine times out of ten. So you can put that in a box, take your opinion, put it in the ocean. I want to take away the event, which is the whole TMZ rant, this thing that whatever interaction that has happened between Kanye and the media that is causing such a flare, per se, for a lot of people to 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 see what's going on or shield their eyes to what's going on. And I want to talk about strictly the idea of slavery being a choice. And, of course, we're going to break that down into three things. So the myth, right? We're talking about the idea of slavery, the idea of slavery, not the event. We can all agree before anybody jump on me, slavery happened. And by slavery, I mean U.S. American slavery that happened, I think, starting in 1619 with the first indigenous slavers that came over here, got screwed out of a deal, and got turned into slaves, right? We can all agree that the event of slavery happened. And by and large, that was not a choice. And if it was a choice, the choice was do or die. And we can always have a discussion, well, would you do or die if you were a slave? That's not what we're talking about. That's what the average minds are talking about. We're talking about the idea of slavery, which to me, the choice, which does exist, lies in two things. Are you a slave or are you enslaved? Are you a slave or are you enslaved? The word to be a slave has the connotation of acceptance. I woke up this morning, damn it, I'm a slave. Ain't nothing I can do about it. I guess I better do what masters say, survive my life. That's one ideology. I don't want to call you right or wrong because this is the right place to be, Mo. The other ideology is, are you enslaved? Do you wake up in the morning and say, damn, slavery is happening to me. I need to do all that I can to survive in this system, but they don't have my mind. They can't make me say I'm theirs. I'm my own. Slavery is happening to me. So that's the myth. That's the myth that I think that we can build off of. One of those two. I'm going to choose the second because, again, this is the right place to be Mo. We're trying to be Mo. My ancestors weren't slaves. Slavery happened to my ancestors. Which brings me to the virtue of the situation. If slavery happened to my ancestors, then we shouldn't regard to them as slaves. If my great, great, great grand uncle walked into this podcast studio right now, do you think he would want me to regard him as slave or carpenter? Nigger or farmer? I choose to believe if slavery happened to my ancestors, that they had pride in the actions that they did. It did not, it, of course, they were in a terrible situation, a situation that we must hold responsible to those who oppressed us. And that's another conversation. But the idea, I don't believe that my ancestors, ancestors woke up every morning and said, I'm a slave. I believe they resisted in any way possible that allowed me to fulfill the promise that they had. Again, the myth, if we're choosing between slave or enslaved, I choose enslaved. It happened to them. But in their minds, they were not slaves. The virtue, if slavery happened to them, then they should be regarded as what they were. My ancestors, those who did before me and promised for the freedom that I have now. That's a sacrifice that I felt like they made intentionally which means that it is a choice. And then third, last, if in the past there was a terrible system that obstructed 
the doorways to freedom. And my ancestors still found a way to make that happen. If through the history of the promise that I am trying to fulfill now, they did things that were necessary to the survival that maybe I couldn't be proud of, that is an example of the system. But never, never, never at this moment do I think they did woke up saying I'm just the property of somebody else. I'm just this. I choose, maybe as Kanye chooses, maybe as some other people who agree this ideology, I choose to believe and I choose to work on the ideology that my ancestors are survivors. They endured. And not only did they endure, they built this country. Not the, uh, not the great America that resides on a red hat. I mean the America that can even produce a person to say that and cause national uproar. I'm talking about that culture, the culture of freedom, the culture of resistance, the culture of survival. Same people that brought you rock and hip hop, the same people that brought you philosophical thought from the minority. If slavery was a system that happened to my ancestors and my ancestors survived that and made this promise for me, then my creative action is literally anything. Woo! I'm not even gonna say nothing else. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the right place to be, Mo. Welcome back. If I haven't pissed you off already, welcome back to the right place to be, Mo. Again, we are a weekly podcast that discusses the creative process how do we create a thought how do we get to the creative actions that we do so i saw something very interesting in the paper as i told you before i read the paper this week like page three or four on the paper and it was a, a small headline and maybe it was on cnn but i don't really watch televised media donald trump might get a nobel peace prize yeah i said that donald trump is in the conversation to get a Nobel Peace Prize. I want to discuss that idea right there. I really want to break that down because just listen. I want to go back to my girl Ellie Rose. Remember, great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, small minds discuss people. So for a second, for a second, I want you to take Donald Trump, the person, put him in a small-minded discussion. That's not the discussion we have. I want you to take the event, which I would call his presidency, and even just this action or your attitude towards this action of getting this Nobel Peace Prize. I want you to take that emotion. I want you to put it with the average mind conversation. And at least for these 30 minutes, we're not having that conversation. I want to talk about the idea of Donald Trump getting a Nobel Peace Prize. So just give you a little backstory for those who haven't missed it. Uh, There is conversation coming from the conservative camp that Donald Trump, yes, President 45, same man that would grab women by the pussy, is up for or in the conversation for a Nobel Peace Prize because of his peace talks with South Korea and North Korea. Which, as we have seen in the news, if we can be objective just for this idea for a second, looks like it's going to turn out all right. Playing the Olympics together, playing sports together. I feel like you play volleyball together and get your ass whooped. I feel like you can come together as a country. Peace talks are starting to happen. 
just as a you know for those who are looking for uh, the the opposing side no it is not in concrete it is purely a thought at this moment uh, peace talks have happened between North and South Korea before and they've fallen through so if Donald Trump gets a Nobel Peace Prize for just think well just helping out an initial conversation of course that would be invalid uh, there are comparisons to make between Donald Trump's first term and Obama's first term, in which Obama also got a Nobel Peace Prize. Some would say it was just for his campaigning. Again, that's another conversation. But I just want to put all these things out there for those who are looking for the distractions. Those are your distractions. We're putting all those distractions into this average mind conversation that we're not going to have. I want to talk about the idea of Donald Trump getting a Peace Prize. Let's talk about that myth real quick. If your president, our president, same guy that basically used the tools of oppression and fear and race to marginally win a presidential election because of the electoral college, which to me is kind of like getting a DQ win in wrestling. It count, but it don't really count. Like, you ain't really the champion. Like, you kind of won, but you kind of didn't win. You just got hit with a steel chair. What actions can we create off of the myth that Donald Trump through all that foolishness and ridiculousness, could get a Nobel Peace Prize. I'm not going to lie, y'all. The idea of President Trump receiving a Nobel Peace Prize does shift my virtue a little, like a, a little, like just, just a, a little bit. I'm going to tell you the end of the story so y'all don't stop fucking with me right now. I'm still not fucking with him. I don't trust him. I don't like him. I'm still not fucking with him. Still don't trust him. Straight up. But... If this thing turns out, if Donald Trump did negotiate peace talks between two countries who've had beef for a long time, damn, he did something right. Shit. <clears throat> which makes my thought process change, in which I hope for those who have great minds, it should also shift the way you think about it. It may not change your actual outcome. But at this particular point, I want to talk about the virtue of it a little bit. So Donald Trump wins a Nobel Peace Prize. That means Donald Trump can do right. What, as a virtue, what can you take from that myth, from that story, from whatever that is, from that narrative, what can you take from that? If the only thing you have is disdain and hateration and is holleration, then like what? you're not going to do much. And again, this is the right place to be most. So we're going to talk about what we can do with that Donald Trump was a peace prize that means Donald Trump can do right which means there could be systems within this Trump administration that I could take advantage of I'm gonna keep it I'm gonna keep it 100% with y'all right now my tax return was popping and I know it has everything to do with the new tax law now I also know that like you know food stamps might go down from $200 to $195. I also know veterans might be a little more homeless this year. I also recognize that as a liberal who pays attention to where the tax money goes. But as a new small business owner, take advantage of the system. So if you really bout that life, if your life is about the advancement of the public, and you know we have a conservative president, then use that money you got on your awesome tax return probably. Use that money to give back to the public. 
I've never been one to prescribe to the to the ideology that the government is the only agency on the planet that can help people. Is it a major one? Absolutely. But if Donald Trump can get a peace prize, if Donald Trump, I keep saying this just to make sure I can believe it, if Donald Trump can get a Nobel Peace Prize, then you can start your small business. You can really take your side hustle off the ground. You can get on stage for the first time. You can follow up on your creative process. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. It's never Trump a true ideology. I mean, if we're being consistent about it, for those that said uh, never Bernie or never Hillary and object against that, then you can't not be a, you cannot have, yeah. If you objected to never Bernie or never Hillary, you can't object to never Trump. You don't got to like it. You don't got to love it. At the end of the day, my creative action is I still don't trust this motherfucker for real. But if there are systems out here, if there are ways possible for me to use his presidency for my advantage, do that. It's a difference between being a slave and enslaved. It's a difference be- between the government happening to you and you happening to the government. Make it work, champ. We'll be right back with the right place to be Mo. Back to the right place to be, Mo. I want to follow up on something that I said in the last podcast. This last section will be dedicated to the first of a three-part series that I'm going to dedicate to black women. To black women. Ever since I gained this platform, started doing the podcast, informing the people about what's going on, reading the Twitter requests, following the Instagram trends seeing what's going on at the intellectual community I have gotten a huge response to talk about black women so I've taken some time to think about how I want to frame this conversation and in this last section this first of the three parts I want to end up talking about or answering the question I want to answer the question what happened to the relationship between black women and black men it Love Jones wasn't that long ago, and it seems like we were cool, but something happened. So I want to, and I know I can't talk about it in one eight-minute, nine-minute segment. So again, I want to make sure I can stretch it out over three parts, um, and then each week we'll bring you a different part. And then in the third part, we will try to attempt to answer the question, what happened to the relationship between black men and black women? I frame that question like that because... As you can hear, there's no black woman in here, so I'm not going to speak on their ideology, but I do want to speak from my perspective um, in which hopefully through these three parts you can see um, at least the fairness and the objectivity in my perspective towards black women and how we can either mend or change the relationship between black men and black women. Uh, But... As we always do in the right place to be more, I want to break this thing down into three categories. I want to talk with I want to start with the myth. Next week we'll talk about the virtue that comes from that myth. And then last week we'll talk about our creative action, which will round out our complete thought of black women. Not to say this will be the last time we talk about black women because, you know, y'all popping. So some time ago I went on a 
uh, I went on a vacation to Colorado. I was sitting on top of the mountains and I was just, you know, in my deep thought as we creatives do. And I was thinking about the word extraordinary. Like when I was a kid, when I was a young bull, like extraordinary to me was a very weird word. I love words, BTW, but extraordinary was a very weird world word. How could one be extra and ordinary at the same time? How is that possible? And as I was sitting on this mountain in Colorado, I was like, women. Women are the literal definition of extraordinary. Because the ordinary can do, we can walk, we can talk, we can sleep, we can drink, we can eat, we can make decisions. But like, women can do something extra. Like, they can, not to just minimalize it, but they can create like a real thing. I can't create. I mean, I can, you know, I can let some things out, but I can't create. Not like they create. To me, that is extraordinary. So not only that creation, but the responsibility that comes with the creation, the protection that comes over that creation, the uh, the nurturing, uh, the love. Like, can you... Uh, I love, like, some of the dumbass ideas I come up with in the morning for this podcast. Can you imagine the love that you would have for something that would eventually be bigger, taller, and provide for you? That's crazy. That's crazy. So just on, the just on like, the bare bones, bottom level of this myth about black women, we're talking about just the amazingness of women. That is extraordinary to me. And then I find it reprehensible that the other gender could treat women so poorly. Like, come on. Like, just how we talk about them, how we discuss them in public, how we treat them, like, how we objectify them. We're going to discuss these things over the next three parts, but, like, I don't want to focus too much on that because I want to talk about women. But, men, we can do better and we will do better. And in an effort to do so, that's why I wanted to have this conversation. How can we mend this relationship? And of course, at the bottom, at the bare bones again of just what black women are, I got my mama. Right? The first black woman I knew, my mother. Every black person, every black man has a mama. Whether they act like it or not, every black man has a mama. I've seen my mother change careers and change jobs and move state to state and endure and be a product of some of the greatest creative and philanthropical work I have ever seen in my existence since I was a baby. If you know me, then, you know, this is not going to be new to you. But as a child, I moved around a lot. And when I say that to people I'm first introducing myself to, where are you from? Oh, I moved around a lot. They ask me why? Military kid? I just kind of look at them like, no, not a military kid. And when I was younger, my answer would be like, you know, I just moved around a lot. I just had to, you know, do what I had to do. But now my answer, now the myth that I that I draw from is I had a mother that was a hustler, a grinder. And if I had to jump in the back seat or help move some boxes from Mississippi to Missouri to Tennessee to Florida to wherever we went for her to continue that green, you goddamn right I'm a supporter. And now my mother, she ain't going to tell you, my mother's a millionaire now. I remember we, she was sleeping on the pullout couch in the projects. Now she checked that bank account. She got seven of them things. Seven zeros of them things. It ain't all about money, but it just shows you. My mother was a hustler, a grinder. 
that's my perspective of black woman. A go-getter, a provider, a nourisher. Someone that could be emotional and someone that could be physical. Someone that could be tough and someone that could be loving at the same time. And all through my growing up, of course, as you will see with all black women, she had a black woman tribe. So there's my Aunt June. There's my Aunt Gay. There was her boss, Carla. Like, there was a crew. It was like waiting to excel happening to me every day except less dramatic and more phenomenal. Four of the most powerful women I've seen in my life. Lawyers, working for the state, working for the government, writing books, editorials. Like these women are crazy. So then the other part of my myth is black women are unifying. They're a collective. They're a sisterhood. They're a bond. So not only do you have the extraordinariness of their biological nature, you also have through historical context, the collection of black women, how they bond together. Right now we have black girl magic, but that ain't new. That just came to Twitter. Black women been bonding. We got the biological, we got the cultural, we got the emotional. And then overall, I just, black women are just the bomb. Like I just, it's hard to, ex- it's actually not hard to explain. Let me stop using that expression. It's not hard to explain. Open up your eyes and look. Black women, in my experience, have been the most supportive, the most enduring, the most loving demographic of women that I've ever met. How many times in your youth did you bump into a black woman that showed you love for no reason in the store or gave you that careful watching eye or gave you that, boy, you better stop doing that before you embarrass your mother. Look, the power of black women is so phenomenal, so phenomenal, and yet they are the most unprotected on the planet. So with that myth right there, we're going to start close part one. With that myth right there that not only the biological functions of a woman being extraordinary, not only the cultural functions of a black woman being phenomenal, not only the, the, the responsibility that black women have taken over the black race, all of those things complete what I think is my vision, my myth, my story that I draw from of the black woman. The next question we will answer, though, is the virtue. What can we take from black women? What can we take from black women? Oftentimes when black women are insulted in the news or come under fire for their Hollywood contracts, you don't see a lot of support for black women in a traditional way that you see black women standing up like they did for Trayvon, like they did for Mike, like they did for Sean. You don't see that in reverse. So we want to answer that question the next time What can we take from black women and how can we respond to them all in an overall arching question to answer what happened to the relationship between black men and black women? Again, thank you for listening to The Right Place to Be Mo. I have been your host, Bemo Brown. Uh, Stay tuned. We're going to drop some details of some upcoming performances in the greatest district in the world. That's Chocolate City, USA, Washington, D.C. I'm from the 202 Uptown. Stay down. What up? What up, y'all? It's your boy, BMO, a.k.a. Brian Brown. Brian, Brian, Brian Brown. Just want to give y'all some quick updates on performances that are happening over the weekend. So the next time that I see you, 
you can catch up on some of these performances. Uh, last Wednesday, some of y'all saw me post. I did visit AV session at Smith Public Trust. If you ever been to Smith Public Trust for an event, I mean, damn, the venue was popping. It's nice. The drinks are good. French fries off the chain. Always got a nice vibe going on. Alice Vaughn was in town coming from California. She did a nice little jam session with Foots and Coles. Yo, I love Foots and Coles. If you have not ch- checked out their latest album, make sure you do that on iTunes, Spotify, Tidal, your local 8-track and album store. We'll actually have the 8-track and album for you. Um, that was dope. But coming up this weekend, tonight at Marvin's DC, as with every other Friday, we have Deacon Izzy and the congregation. My man, Hunted Grant. Would deliver the funk and minister the soul like he usually does. Make sure y'all check that out. Um, next week, though, oh, man, the Funk Parade, DC Funk Parade is popping. When I tell you every creative that I know is working in the city on that day, it's crazy. Every drummer, every guitar player, every photographer, every small blog, big blog, podcast, manager, producer, whatever is working on May 12th. Make sure you are out on U Street in the U Street corridor for some of the best performances that you will see all year by some of the greatest local acts in D.C. The shows that I'm looking forward to the most, of course, we got my man Michael Robinson coming to you live. Michael Robinson has played with Bilal. He's played with Raheem Devon, Sam Prathis, Jazz Groove, Mike Bowie and the Blast. I mean, my man is on point. So if you're ready for a nice, smooth, sexy night, come on out to DC 9 on May 12th. That's starting at 8 o'clock. Also got my girl Panama. Panama, Panama will be performing on May 12th as well as part of the Funk Parade at Velvet Lounge at 8 o'clock. She'll be joined by uh, Odd Mojo. Oh, love Odd Mojo. Love Odd Mojo. Odd Mojo and another band I can't think of right now, but shout out to y'all as well. Uh, And then my guys, Blackstone, will be joining the stage with Foots and Coles. Part of the Funk Parade. I think it's going to be happening at the 16th Street Lounge. Whoo! That's going to be a show right there. We're talking about Arrested Development meets, uh, what I call them? I call Foots and Coles DMVs. Um, what I want, you got. Hall of Notes. I had to sing the song to get it. Hall of Notes meets Arrested Development at one show. I'm telling you the next time they do this show, the tickets going to be like 40 bucks. So make sure you come out to all the DC Funk Parade events. Free, free, free. If you want to get the, the special wristband for priority access, make sure you visit dcfunkparade.com. Um, once again, thank you, for list- thank you all for listening to The Right Place to Be Mo. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at BMO Brown, that's B-E-M-O Brown, like the color. Until next week, hope y'all stay, hope y'all stay up. Remember, you got to be Mo. I want y'all to check out my mans, I call them the Hall and Oats of DC. These young cats are killing it. I've seen them on tour, I've seen them doing their music video. I've listened to the album, whoo! Check out this track by my folks, Foots and Cold, Water on the Moon. I'm so in love with you They never really see your time Your smile is so unclassified The simple things you do It leaves me no excuse They never really see your time Your love is so unclassified Just like water on
on the moon. 